All right, how are we doing? Good? Good? Well, uh, LifePoint family, welcome back. It's good to be with you. Uh, I feel like weather-wise, we should be saying Merry Christmas, but Happy Thanksgiving uh, week. Yeah, Happy Thanksgiving week. I hope people get some time to rest uh, this week. Uh, guests, if you are new here, if you're first time here at LifePoint, my name's Cale. I'm the teaching pastor, and uh, we're grateful to have you here with us. We try to give you just a few instructions each time that we gather. So there are some QR codes in front of you, guests. Please feel free to pull out your smartphone. You can do that in church, no problem. Uh, pull it out, point it at that QR code in front of you. It'll take you to a resource uh, called LP Guest. Com. If the QR code doesn't work, and specifically if you have an Android, sometimes it's a little finicky there. So uh, just type in lpguest.com to a web browser. That's got the message notes that'll be on the screens for you this morning. Uh, also some just information about our church. And there is a guest information card there at lpguest.com. If you wouldn't mind taking a moment just to fill that out, we'd love to connect with you in person out at Guest Central today. Hopefully someone has already had a chance to say hi to you and uh, meet you this morning. But uh, connecting with you digitally is super helpful as well. So please take a moment. Uh, fill out that guest information card, and uh, we, would, we would appreciate it. Uh, also, I mentioned this last week, but if you don't have, if you're part of the LifePoint family, you don't have the LifePoint Ohio app yet, or if you've been here for a while and you think, man, I think this is going to be my home church, uh, just search LifePoint Ohio. Take a moment, do that even now. Search LifePoint Ohio in the Google Play Store or the App Store, because we're going to use that at the end. We've been in this series uh, where we are talking through uh, generosity. We talked through our commitment card for next year, and so we'll use that at the end. Guests? That's not as much for you, but uh, LifePoint family, if you don't have that, you can take a moment and do that now. Let me mention also, just as we head towards the Christmas season, just some logistical things for us as a church. So Christmas Eve, we've got three services here, right? So two o'clock, 3.30 and five, right? Two, 3.30 and five on Christmas Eve. Uh, the two o'clock and the 3.30 will have LifePoint kids in full. Uh, the five o'clock will have childcare from zero up through preschool. So if you come to the five o'clock with your family and you've got a kid kindergartner or older, they'll be in here with you. 2 and 3.30 uh, is LifePoint Kids in full. Those are also, uh, for the first time this year, we're going to do, do official like candlelit service, right? Uh, with like real flames, which makes me a little nervous, uh, but we're going to do it. And uh, I think it'll be a beautiful time. Trust in the Lord for that. And I think it'll be a beautiful time uh, together to gather that evening. Okay, so 2, 3.30 and 5. Please take the opportunity to invite others, right? We live in a culture where still things like Easter and Christmas are just opportunities to invite people who are far from the Lord to come and to hear the gospel. And so please take the opportunity to do that. Uh, following Christmas Eve, okay, this is important. So Christmas Day is the next day, obviously, but that's a Sunday, all right? So we are not gathering in person on Christmas Day or on January 1st, okay? Those are both Sundays. I don't know how many people stay up till midnight, but gathering Sunday morning on January 1st, uh, we're gonna take the opportunity to give our folks who are serving just a breather as well. So we'll gather online on Sunday, Christmas Day, and Sunday, January 1st, and then we'll be back in person on January 8th, all right? Kicking off our new series as we go through 1 Thessalonians together. Got it? All right, December 25th and January 1st, we're online only and then back in person on January 8th. All right. We've been in a series that we're closing out this morning. Uh, we've been calling Kingdom Values. And the big uh, idea of the series, something we said every week, is that living in the kingdom means giving toward things that matter. 
Living in the kingdom means giving toward things that matter. And uh, in October, we talked through a series where we said, man, we're encouraging folks to take a step spiritually in serving, of giving of their time. We say this all the time here, that God has entrusted us, right? If you're a believer in Christ, and even if you're not, I believe this is true of you, uh, we want you to know and love Jesus, to turn from your sin, trust the Son of God who gave His life for you on the cross that you might come into relationship with the Father by having your sins washed away through the blood of Jesus. We're gonna celebrate communion later, right? To celebrate that very fact, Jesus' body broken for us and his blood shed for us. But when you step into relationship with the Lord, we say, man, God has entrusted you with time, with talents and with treasure to be used for his glory. So in October, we talked through some of the things about time, right? Personal ministry, taking a step forward. We saw 90 folks just at this campus take a step, a first step towards serving on a team. In this series, we've been talking about the treasure side of that. Hey, that God has entrusted us with resources, material resources, and he does not, he calls us. We saw it in Matthew 6, you can't serve two masters. It's either gonna be God or money. And so we've said, man, we want to see people's, the love of money broken in people's hearts. And we're a tangible step that we're saying, hey, take a step towards giving it away, fighting greed in your life. And so we started in Matthew 6. We're ending in Matthew 6. We had a week in the middle there where we looked at Luke 12 and the parable of the rich fool in the barns. But in the beginning, uh, first passage uh, that we looked at in Matthew 6, Jesus is saying, man, don't lay up treasure on earth. Lay it up in heaven. Invest in eternity. And, and it's, it's pretty stark, his words there, because he does close with, and you cannot serve two masters, right? It's gonna be God or money. You have to pick one. What he says here in Matthew 6, and starting in verse 25, is a little more pastoral in nature, if I can say it that way. It's gentler in tone, but no less important. He says this in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, Right? And, and let's just remember, he's talking to people who are saying, hey, we wanna be followers of the king. You're entering into the kingdom of God. So what should mark your life as a follower of Jesus increasingly as you walk in the kingdom? He says, well, in the king, I don't want you to be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, the material things. He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Look at them. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yes, they work, but they don't have the machinery we have. They don't have the ability to reap or plant or gather in that way. They're dependent upon the Lord, upon how he provides in nature. And he says, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you by being anxious, by worrying, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, because these things are true, do not be anxious about or saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, and when Jesus says that, right, you've got Jewish people, you've got Gentiles, but He's really saying those outside of the kingdom, those who don't have a relationship with the Lord and don't have him as their father. He says, when you're in that position, they seek after all these things. They're chasing after all these things. That's what life is about. And he says, and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you're a note taker, just underline that, right? What am I supposed to be doing? What, what does Jesus tell me to do? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. 
All these things that could dominate your life, they'll just be given to you by the Father as you seek him first. So let's break this down, right? There, there's really two commands. There's a don't and there's a do, right? There's a don't and there's a do. So let's talk about, we're gonna talk about them both in order, right? The, here it is. Don't be anxious. Don't worry, right? Have, and, and when we say that, right, it's not that you're never concerned or that you never plan or you never think about these things. The biblical word of worry here is an undue concern, stress, worry, right? Constantly fixated on it, worrying about, man, is it gonna happen? Am I gonna have enough? And he says, don't, don't be anxious about the material things, about provision. Don't be preoccupied and worried about these earthly material things because God knows what you need. Do seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Trust God, put him first, prioritize the things of the kingdom. And we say this a lot, and it's a good reminder, right? The, some, of our, some of our faith is marked, uh, I've been there, right? Your, your faith is marked way too much by like, well, here's the things I avoid. Here are the things I don't do because I'm a follower of Jesus. There are things that we don't do because we're followers of Jesus, but there's many things that Jesus has called us to do. He says, don't do this, but do this instead. So let's talk about them in order, right? Let's talk about the don't. Don't be anxious. Don't worry about these things. And let's just ask the question, why? Because Jesus kind of answers that, right? Why? Really two reasons. One, worrying accomplishes nothing. Worrying accomplishes nothing. And I'm saying that because of Matthew 6, 27. Which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life, Jesus asks. It's a rhetorical question, but what is the answer to said rhetorical question? No one. In fact, medically speaking, sort of the irony of it is it actually works in reverse, right? Works the opposite. When by worrying, uh, doctors tell us like that actually probably reduces your span of life. And so he says, which of you by worrying can lengthen his life or some other translations say can add to his height, right? He's like, it's not, it's not gonna do anything for you. But here's the tension point. I think most of us know that logically, like rationally, you're like, hey, does you being really stressed about this change the situation? You're like, no. So why do we do it? I think it's something about our human nature, our, our sinful uh, proclivity to not trust the Lord, but rather to think, and listen, I'm, I'm right there with you, like to think something happens and, and some of us are more worriers by nature, but all of us, if the boat gets rocked enough, if life gets hard enough, if the circumstances are unpredictable enough, all of us, right, can feel that pressure to say, I got all this sort of pent up energy and things are falling apart. I'm not sure what to do. And something inside of us says, if I just worry about that, maybe it'll do something. Or that's what I should do with all this pent up energy is I should be really, really worried and anxious about it. And Jesus is reminding us, guys, it doesn't accomplish anything. It doesn't help. And instead, takes what I do with all of it, Lord, take that tendency to worry and the desire to say, I'm gonna take this into my own hands and, and get busy trusting the Lord. The antidote, if I can say this, the antidote to worrying is trusting. It really is saying, Lord, I'm, I'm gonna refuse to sit here and try to solve this all myself and take this into my own hands. And I'm gonna place my trust, my faith, in you and with this circumstance, I'm gonna give it to you and rest, actively rest in you. I'm choosing 
to trust. And, and this is, that leads us really into the second thing. Jesus says, hey, we don't worry because one, it doesn't accomplish anything. But two, he gives us this incredible, glorious, comforting, rock solid, th- this truth that helps center us in those moments. In those moments where it gets really hard, it's like, Lord, where do I run? What do I stand on? This promise that your heavenly father cares about you and he knows what you need. That your heavenly father cares about you and he knows what you need. And Jesus, now, this goes into, actually, we're going to talk about this more next week, right? The peace of God and, and the peace of God that can surpass all understanding and guard us in Christ Jesus, guard us in every circumstance. Jesus is talking somewhat specifically about the material things of life, the anxiety that comes up with just the earthly provision. And he says, man, you don't have to worry. God is going to provide for you. Your father is going to take care of you. And then he gives us two illustrations to prove his point. And I love these illustrations because sometimes when Jesus shares illustrations and these, there are these parables, right? We have to do a little work to try to understand them in 21st century America because the situation has changed so much. This is not one of those. It's just, I mean, everything he says here, it's like, yep, still around today. Birds and grass and flowers, right? And all those things, it's still so very relevant. So, so let's just look at it. He gives birds and grass, grass slash flowers as two things to tr- prove this to us. Matthew 6, 26. Let's talk about the birds first, right? He says, look at the birds of the air. When you get anxious about them, I'm gonna have enough. He says, you look at the birds, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. And then the logic here is from lesser to greater. He's like, if God feeds birds, are you not of more value than they? God cares about you more than he cares about birds, but he takes care of them. I was looking, so the 2021 scientific estimate of the number of birds in the world, right? 50 to 430 billion, all right? Which, by the way, I read that and had to chuckle because I'm like, that is the least helpful guess. It's like, how many birds are there? I don't know, from one, somewhere from one to a gazillion, right? Like, it just, like, there's a 380 billion span there. But anyway, 50 billion to 430 billion. Apparently, it's hard to count birds. And so, um, you think about that. We just crossed the eighth billionth person on the world, on the planet last week, Right? Also not sure how exactly we count that, but the eighth billionth person was born last week. And I just think Jesus is saying, right, as we think about like, can God really take care of eight billion people? He is taking care of hundreds of billions of birds every day. And Jesus is like, look at them. Take a moment when you walk outside today and you see, right, the flocks of birds, when you're at your house and you look out and you see the bird nesting there. Sometimes, right, it's winter now, the leaves have fallen, you can see the nests in the trees. Sometimes when I walk from my house to here, I count the nests in the trees. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, Kale, you're a dork. <laughs> Which is true, right? And my wife will gently remind me of that sometimes, right? But you can walk by and you can see the nest and just be reminded, like, that's right. The God of the universe, who is simultaneously governing a hundred billion galaxies and upholding them by the power of his word, is also daily taking care of a hundred billion birds. And if he can govern a hundred billion galaxies and feed a hundred billion birds, he can take care of eight billion people and he can take care of you. That's why Jesus says, don't worry. And the next time you see, right, you begin to worry, look outside. Look at the birds and be reminded, that's right, not a single sparrow falls to the ground outside of my father's care. And I am worth a lot more to him than a bird. Then he says, look at the flowers and the grass of the field, right? 6, 28 through 30. Why are you anxious about clothing, right? This one, last one was about food. He's like, why are you anxious about what you're gonna wear? 
He says, consider the lilies of the field. And the word consider there means learn carefully. Look at them, consider them for a moment. Have you ever looked out and looked at a field and seen the wildflowers and just taken a moment to pause? He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, right? They don't do the work of clothing themselves. The grass doesn't do the work of clothing itself. He says, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon, right, is the, the, the most wealthy king mentioned in the Bible. He, his wealth is now, right, famous. I was reading about it again today. You can look at it in you know, First Kings and uh, I think First or Second Chronicles, but it talks about his yearly revenue. And by modern estimates, right, one article was saying his yearly revenue just in gold would be $40 billion in today's worth or wealth. His estimated worth is $2.2 trillion, right? That's way more than anyone we've got on the planet today. I mean, he, and in addition to gold, the, the chronicler goes so far as to say that silver in Solomon's day was worthless. It was just everyday stuff. I don't know if that's an exaggeration or not, but he's trying to get across the point. He's like, this guy who has everything, he had 4,000 stalls just for his horses and his chariots, uh, 12,000 horses and chariots. Like, it's just this absurd amount of wealth. We can't even really fathom it. And he's like, and yet Solomon, in all of his glory, the trillionaire was not clothed like the grass of the field. He says, the grass has better clothing, even than Solomon. And then he goes on and says, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which he doesn't have to, you ever thought about that? Like looked at pretty things like a sunset or flowers and been like, God doesn't have to create this stuff. It could have just been a boring world. But instead, God, for the delight of it and for our delight, clothes the grass of the field that day. And Jesus says, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. For them, right? For us, we grow it and then we mow it, right? And then it sits there, we collect it, we put it in bags, right? For people to come collect or whatever. For them, they cut it down and then they burned it. The point is, it's literally the definition of temporary. It's like grass is here today and gone tomorrow. And yet God, the God who governs a hundred billion galaxies and the God who daily provides for a hundred billion birds goes to the effort and time of clothing the grass with these types of flowers. And then Jesus, again, from the lesser to the greater, he's like, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He's like, don't, don't worry. Look at the flowers. Next time you go out, right? Most of them are dead now, but when spring comes and it will come, right? Look at them once again and be reminded. That's right. My heavenly father clothes the grass of the field with these flowers. He will clothe me. Now, let's just address something, right? Um, in our culture, right? For some of us, this may feel like a little bit of a disconnect. You're like, because the reality is, socioeconomically just speaking, most of us, right? The majority, the majority, not, not all, but the majority of us are not actually wondering, like, where's my next meal going to come from? Most of us are not like on a daily basis, really concerned about, am I going to be able to buy pants, right? Or a shirt. It's not maybe the same concerns that they had, but we still have needs, things that we need, materially that we need. One of our uh, student, our student uh, worship, our worship pastors, Wesley, was teaching our students this past week. And I think he said it really well. He said, look, guys, the, the, the needs sometimes maybe might be a little bit different. The things that are on our mind, Lord, I, I need, 
right, for students. Like I need to pass this test in order to graduate or I need provision for college. How am I gonna pay for that, Lord? Or I need a job if I'm not going to college, right? I need a job or for those of us who are already in the work world, like, Lord, I need a job that's gonna be able to provide for myself or for a family. I need health care. I mean, the ability to pay for these things. Lord, I need a car that works, that gets from A to B or Lord, I need an affordable house, right? Is the market so volatile? Like, Lord, we need an apartment or we need a a home for our family. There are things that we need, materially speaking, things that, Lord, we need. I think we need this amount to be able to, uh, when I'm done, maybe working or retire, whatever it may be. There are things that we're concerned about and anxious about. And Jesus is saying, the logic remains true. Hey, you have a heavenly father that's taking care of birds and grass. He will take care of you. Don't be anxious about those things. In fact, if, if the worry about the material and earthly things marks our lives, really one commentator put it, said it this way, if Jesus' argument here could just be granted, he says, then really worry can, only resac- worry can only result from a lack of genuine belief in God's goodness and mercy. Another author says, worry is practical atheism and an affront to God. In Jesus' day, anxiety characterized the pagan religions, the religions around them. People were just dominated by fears of this angry God. We have to appease the angry gods. If we're going to have a good harvest, if we're going to get the rain, if we're going to be able to have children, right, we have to do the right sacrifices. So there's just sort of this constant anxiety and worry. And Jesus is like, I don't want you to live that way. When you're in the kingdom, I don't want you to live like the practical atheist. Yeah, God might be up there somewhere, but I don't really think he cares about my needs. And he's like, I don't want you to live like the the pagans who are just chasing after all these things, worried about where's the next meal going to come from? Where's my provision going to come from? He's like, I want you as a son or daughter of God. I want you as a member of the kingdom to trust the king is going to take care of you. And I want you to live with a rock solid confidence and hope and even a peace. God's going to take care of you. So he says, don't be anxious, but do what? Seek first the kingdom. So he says, take your mind off of these things and put them on the things of the Lord and prioritize him. That's what we see in verses 31, 32, and 33. Let's read them again. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all but seek first the kingdom of God. So he says, look at your life. If it's marked, we talked about this last week, if it's just marked by the material things, constantly thinking about, are we gonna have enough? We're gonna have enough. He says, I don't want that to govern your mind. I don't want that to dominate your time and your thinking. Instead, well, what should I be doing, Lord? It's like, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Put God first prioritize him, prioritize the work of the kingdom, prioritize your time, your talents, your treasure. I've been listening this week to the uh, message around just the, the stewardship, right? The talents that he gives us. And then he goes away and when he comes back, he demands, right? Hey, what did you do with the things that I gave you? Put the kingdom first. And he says, all this stuff that could dominate your life. He's like, I'll just give it to you. I will take care of you. You just put me first. And let's just be real clear about something. That is an exercise in faith. It is way easier to worry. It's way easier to say, I'm gonna take this into my own hands. It is an exercise in faith, right? Last series, when we said, man, take a step and serve. It's an exercise in faith for many folks, for us to say, man, I'm gonna give of my time. 
I'm going to give another hour, another hour and a half, another two hours, another 30 minutes, whatever it is. And I'm trusting that the Lord's going to grow me through that process. And as we've been talking in this series, as we've talked about financial commitments for 2023, I mean, just make sure we're clear about this, right? Some people, we, we want to divide these things out. Well, that's about money. Or that's about time. It's about our life in the kingdom, all of it. It's an exercise in faith to say, you know what, Lord? We're going to choose to give toward the things that matter, which means we're going to not give as much to the things that matter less. And we're trusting that all these things will be added unto us. We're trusting that as we prioritize you and your work, we sacrifice toward that. Lord, you're going to take care of me. I want to show you a story here. We're going to watch just a quick video. It's only a minute and a half or so, uh, but it's the story. I'm going to just set it up for us. The story of Emmett and Michelle Jarvis, and they go here to our campus, and they're talking through uh, just a financial step they've taken recently in their life. Well, here's what I love about this story. It's, man, that's just the tip of the iceberg. So just to give you the background, about a year and a half ago, right, they started plugging in here to LifePoint, and a year and a half ago, their marriage and their family was this close to falling apart. And I've asked them, right, could I share this, right? They said, absolutely. And they came here on a Sunday morning and the Lord met them here on a Sunday morning. We were talking about in the context of the gospel, right? Letting God be God and letting your spouse be your spouse and not asking your spouse, not looking to your spouse to be savior for you, to be God for you. And they left that morning saying, man, the Lord spoke to us and, and like we're gonna, they made a commitment. We're gonna stop asking each other to be functional savior and we're gonna start letting each other just be husband and wife. Let's look to God and let him be God. And then over the last year and a half, these just steps in sanctification, right? We say justification, that's a one-time thing. When you trust the Lord and he washes you clean of your sin, like you're, you're saved. And then begins the process of God shaping you more into his image. And so they began coming on a Sunday morning regularly. They took the step of getting into a life group about a year ago. Emmett took the step and was baptized, right? Uh, we actually baptized him in a river in November. It was crazy. But uh, another story for another day, right? So we, we baptized him, celebrated that with him. And then they came to a point where they started looking at their finances and the stewardship of their finances. And that's where we pick up here with their story. Go ahead and listen. I'm Emmett Jarvis, and this is my wife, Michelle Jarvis. And we've been going to Delaware LifePoint campus for about a year and a half now. My previous career was, I was a light infantryman in the United States Army until I retired a couple years ago. Always going overseas to Iraq or Afghanistan like I was, you know, you kind of, you get into a habit of when you're home, you want to be able to enjoy your life, have the nicer things. And before you know it, we're maxing out credit cards, we have no more money, and we're completely bankrupt. You know, with a lot of prayer and consulting and talking to Kale and other people, it was like really weighed on my heart. I was like, you know what? I need to get rid of my really nice truck that I love and trade it in for this Honda Accord. It just kind of refocused our energy on God because that's where our joy should be coming from. And something as simple as trading our cars in or getting rid of something or downgrading something that's of dollar value should be so simple to us when he has sacrificed so much more. Yeah, I think some of the positives that we've seen from making that switch is I, I wanted to be able to give to the church in a meaningful way. And, and because of what we've been able to do by freeing up so much money extra a month, you know, it's put us into a position where we're able to start budgeting money to start going to the church and the missions that are going to greatly impact and help us spread the word of God. It has freed up to where we are able to do more with our family. Um, we're able to do more together. 
Every time we do it on our own or our own way, we typically don't get the results we need to be getting. But if we do it God's way, I'll tell you, like every time we've done it God's way, we've had great success come from it. So, one, how cool is that? Just to see folks taking hard looks at their lives. The moral of the story is not that if you meet with me, I'll convince you to give your car away, right? So just be, let's be clear about that. I don't, I don't think I've ever done that before. The context, he and I were meeting and we were talking about spiritual next steps and he was looking at me and I was talking about some of the next steps I need to take and he was encouraging me, man, do it. And so then we began to talk about their life and he said, man, we just don't have the financial flexibility we want. And we started talking about, you know, their finances and it was like, man, how much is this truck costing you a month? And he, you know, said the number and it was like, that's crazy. And I was like, do you need it? And he was like, no. I said, well, why don't you just trade it in for something more affordable? Here's the cool, he texted me the next day from the dealership, right? He's like, yo, I'm here. I was like, you're where, right? Like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and trade Michelle's car in too. It's like, are you kidding me? And here's one, one of my favorite moments is in the weeks after I said, how's this working out? He said, man, we love it. We're grateful for it. I said, how's Michelle doing? He said, she's good. He was like, Michelle was like, yo, this car doesn't have any of the bells or whistles, bells or whistles that I had in my last vehicle. And I was chuckling as I heard her say that because it was like, man, that's part of this. So generosity requires sacrifice. One of the stories we didn't get to talk about, so we were in the week that I missed was we were gonna talk about the widow and the two coins, right? And this little lady who Jesus is with his disciples and they're watching people come into the temple and all these rich guys are coming in just dumping bags of money in. And then this little old lady comes in and she puts two pennies in. And Jesus says, hey guys, you see her? Yeah, she gave more than everybody else. And it's like, no, she didn't. Did you see the bags of cash, right? That people are handing in. He's like, yeah, yeah. And, And don't get me wrong. Jesus isn't saying that was wrong that it's wrong to have a lot or to give out of that. He said, no, but they gave out of their abundance. She gave out, she gave everything that she had. For her, it was this sacrifice, this trusting. Lord, I'm trusting you. Some of us here right now, I mean, that's your situation. We're like, yeah, we don't have a lot. College students, right? Your annual income is like $87 a year, right? Actually, if you really go from what you're spending on college, right? Your annual income is like negative 20 grand a year, right? Like you're, you're in the red, Uh, But can I just say to you, right? So when I was in college, my parents instilled tithing in me and through college, it was like, Lord, I'm I'm gonna tithe this back to you. So it was like $8 a week, right? It's like, here it is, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. And can I just say to you, God is faithful and has provided for every need and he will do the same in your life. And so even if it's a place where you're going, I don't feel like I have a lot. I mean, you take a step in faith. For some of us, it's gonna be looking at our lives and just saying, we don't need this stuff. And if we're to steward it better and stand before the Lord someday and say, God, how do, how do we use the things you entrusted us? Let's prioritize the kingdom. Let's be faithful stewards of what God has given us. I have prayed through this series. Look, I, we're trusting the Lord for, for provision next year. We'll talk through these commitment cards, but my prayer has been, God, more than anything, break the love of money in our hearts. Because I don't want any of us standing before him that day and Jesus saying, away from me, I never knew you because our master was money and not him. So let's, uh, let's just talk through a couple of practical things here, all right? We're gonna take communion here in a bit and then we'll be sent out. But let's just talk through. We talked about this last week uh, about filling out just a commitment card towards 2023, that it is, man, a step in faith. It's an exercise in faith saying, God, I'm trusting you're gonna provide for me. So 
Uh, first, I just want to give you an update. So uh, I asked Martha, by the way, I don't see these numbers. I, I specifically choose not to look at anybody's giving. Uh, I, don't, I see the big data, right, what I need to be able to do the stewardship job. Uh, but our financial director handles this stuff. So she told me, hey, Kale, we've had 76 cards turned in from the Delaware campus and almost 10% of those. So seven of those represent uh, folks who are taking that step for the very first time. And I'm thrilled about that. And so as we pray through this, right, we said, man, it's not going to be just because a few of us take that step, but because all of us take that step. I've had some practical questions about, hey, are we putting the, like if we're taking an additional step, do we put the additional step or do we put the total for 2023? We're asking for total 2023 commitment. And here's the ways you can do that, right? On the bottom of your app notes today, the link is right there. Bottom of the app notes, the link is right there. It says commitment card. Um, If you go to our website, just lifepointohio.com, a pop-up will hit right there where you can just hit commitment card. Those are the two ways digitally that are easiest. I also sent an email out this week um, and I'll send one out again this week that just has the link uh, on that for you. And we did mention last week, if for some reason you can't do that digitally, we would love for you to do it digitally. That'll help Martha out a ton. But if you can't do that digitally, there are physical cards available uh, out in the lobby. But I'm asking, we're going to end a few minutes early today. And I'm asking, man, even stick around just today. And if you haven't taken that step, fill out the card uh, today. Pray through that and fill it out today. We asked the question last week, what am I giving toward? And I just want to give you a couple other things uh, that we're giving towards. So one would be this, local partnerships across the city of Delaware. We have uh, six Serve the City partnerships, uh, folks that we, we partner with more organizations than that, but there are usually five or six that we're kind of highlighting specifically that our life groups serve with. And here at the end of the year, uh, we are going, we've done this every single year since we started as a campus here. And by God's grace, we plan to do it next year as well. But here at the end of the year, we will bless them all financially. And when you total that up, it'll be more than $10,000 here uh, that we give away. And it's organizations like uh, Feed Delaware, like Common Ground Free Store, Grace Clinic, uh, the Pregnancy Resource Center, organizations around our city that we believe are serving people well and meeting needs. And so we'll take an opportunity to bless them here at the end of the year. Second one is this, the Marion Campus, right? So... Just give you an update here, right? It's been the running joke, right, at this point in time about our facility there. And we tease Paul all year. We're like, 2023, buddy. We're going to be meeting there. And, and we would laugh and say, ha-ha. It looks like it really might be 2023 at this point in time before we meet there. But if you remember me talking about one of the things we began to pray was, Lord, we're not dependent upon a facility to make disciples and to reach this city. So some trust in chariots and horses and some in facilities, and there's a real temptation to do that, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I asked Paul this week, I said, man, what do you see right now that's encouraging to you? This is what he said back. He said, Kale, we had our largest Sunday outside of Easter Sunday, last Sunday, 125 people there. We have three life groups that are about to multiply into five or six life groups. We are seeing new people, new folks jumping in. We have nine people going through membership class, uh, I believe today. And he said, man, we're, we're in it for the long game. There's a lot of church hurt here. There's a lot of burnt over, right, as far as the gospel is concerned here, but we are seeing God work, and he's like, I am very encouraged, right? And also the HVAC needs to get done, right? Like it's, you know, and and yes, we want to open the new space, but he's like, man, praise God, we're seeing him work, and I believe we're seeing him answer that prayer. But we are financially committed to our Marian folks, right? It is typical for a church plant to hit self-sustainability somewhere between year three and five if they're healthy, this next year, 2023, is technically going to be the first full year for Marion. So there, we're, not, we're not close, right, to financial self-sustainability there. So the Delaware campus has committed $100,000 to help support Marion 
over 2023. And when we prayed for our brothers and sisters here on this stage at the beginning of this year to commission them out to Marion, we told them we're in this together. And so by God's grace, we will see that commitment through and we will be there until the day where by God's grace, they can begin to pay that forward uh, to others. So I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna close out. We're gonna take communion and just be reminded that what we said last week, that our generosity, (laughs) why do we take these steps to sacrifice? And if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I hope you hear this. Our generosity is based on the gospel. The good news of Jesus is not that if you sacrifice enough and you give some stuff away, maybe God will love you. The good news of the gospel is that God already loved you and he demonstrated that through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. That God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you, for your sin, for me, for my sin, and that Jesus gave his very life. And I love the way Michelle said it. She said, for us to take some steps and sacrifice some dollar value things, it should be so easy compared to what he has sacrificed for us. And so let me pray for us and then we'll take communion together. Father, as we as a church make these commitments and we step out in faith, God, for some, we've been doing this for years and we know you're faithful and we've seen you be faithful and we trust you to do it again. God, for others of us, this will be the first time we ever make a commitment like this. It'll be the first step in fighting greed in our lives and being free from the love of money. And we need your help. God, will you by the Holy Spirit make make those promises real to us today, to trust you for provision for the home, for the meals, for the clothing, for our kids, for the college accounts, for the retirement accounts, for everything, Lord. Help us to trust you. You're gonna provide and help us truly to seek first the kingdom and your righteousness and to trust that you'll add everything else. And may we be found on that day to be good stewards of our time, our treasures, our talents. God, we can never repay you, but we can offer our lives back to you because you first gave your life for us. So help us. And Jesus, I pray for anyone here today who's never taken that step. Our faith is not about behavior modification. Our faith is centered on grace that you died for us and you rose again that we might have new life and things begin to change from there. So Father, if there's anyone here today who's never experienced grace, I pray today would be the day that they experience the grace of God in their life, that they would turn from sin and trust you, Jesus, with their life, their finances, their time, and their talents. God, we love you. And we thank you and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.